Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. You know, I had to love Shirley as Christ loved the church and that I had to lay down my life for her. And I kind of did that in a sense that he called me to be number two in terms of ministry. And so it was never about me, it was about what he'd called her to do. And so I spent a lot of my life pushing her forward and being supportive. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have the conclusion of our three-part series with Peter and Shirley Basket. As we heard at the beginning of this series, their lives were completely turned upside down in October of 2021, when Shirley had blood tests done and unexpectedly found out she had leukaemia. This caused Shirley to reflect on topics like what is a good death and how to die well. She was inspired to write a book about this called Living on the Edge of Eternity, which they chatted about last time. Today, Peter and Shirley go back in time and share about the unique circumstances in which their relationship began. Once again, they're in our Melbourne studios and chatting with Eric Scatterbo, who has interviewed them several times in the past and says their story is one of his all-time favourites. As a personal request from me, I love to hear the story of how the two of you began your relationship. So I, I, I can set it up because I've heard it enough times, but at the time you're both in New Zealand and you at that time had decided you weren't going to have any kind of relationship yeah, that's or of right. a romantic type. You had pretty much decided that. Yeah, that's right. You know, I'd, I had gone away from my faith and my youth mm-hmm. and that was partly because I'd been very confused about having relationships with men that had never really worked out for mm-hmm. me. And so then I had many relationships with women, and and that didn't really work Mm. out for me either. I felt disillusioned, Mm. and and I wondered if God was even out there, and if he was, would he have me back? Mm. And so I prayed a last prayer, and God did reach out to me in an interesting way. A man came and knocked on my door that very night that I prayed the prayer. That very night? That very night, and... And uh, he was someone that I'd known in my earlier youth when I was going to Christian groups in my youth. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was doing door-to-door but that and trying to share his faith with people, but he was not that kind of person. He was a very gentle, shy sort of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, he'd been asked by his church to come and see me because my mother and my sister had called the church to say, look, please send somebody who surely needs help. Uh, my, my sister actually knew how I'd been living my mother didn't, but she could see that I was definitely in some sort of problems. She could probably but a tell lot of was, alcohol at the time. I I mm. was pretty close to being. If I wasn't close to it, I think I was alcoholic. Mm. And uh, but I don't know whether she knew that, mm. but I think she was seeing some signs that my life was spiraling. And so they'd asked the church to send the send somebody. Mm. And it got delegated down the line, as can happen in a very large church, mm. to the man who had a small Christian group right in the area where I was living in the inner city. So he knocked on the door, and I realized, again, this was one of these things that mm. God reaches out to you, and you can't deny that it's him. Mm. And so I came back to my Christian faith at that stage. Mm. But, of course, I'd been living with labels that I'd had for myself. I'd labeled well, I believed my identity was fully in lesbianism. And so I'd kind of worn that. And 
I thought, okay, well, I will come back. I just won't have any relationships with anybody. I will just go on and and know Christ, and he will be my everything. Mm. And actually, that was probably the best thing I could have thought because he did become my everything, and mm. he still is. However, he also had plans for me along the way, and yes. he changed a lot of my kind of crazy thinking and my perceptions that I had about my childhood and mm. many, many things mm. that he brought into my mm. life that put me onto a completely different trajectory. Mm. But I didn't think that I could ever really love a man. And I was in this small group with Jeff who'd come to see me. When this kid comes into the group. This this uh, significantly younger he was guy. Seven, nearly seven years younger than me. And I'd come from my kind of life where I'd sort of explored to the end. Um, you know, Solomon says that he... He didn't deny himself anything to try in life, and I'd kind of felt a bit like that too. Mm. Uh, but this kid came in, and he looked very fresh and blue-eyed, and you know, hair was pretty short and that sort of thing. And I thought, look at that kid. He's come straight from the punk scene. I bet he thinks he's seen some life. You know? <laughs> and he looked over at me and thought, oh, look at that little Miss Christian, you know, and she's been nowhere and, and done nothing. He she thought- was kind of sweet. <laughs> He thought you had so, a shelter. Well, when life. he told me that, I thought if that's all he could see on me, whoa, God must have been doing miracles. Oh, okay, Pete, of course we're talking about you. You're yes. coming well, from a punk was, rock kind of yeah, background and in a pretty rough childhood. Yeah, well, my, you know, my dad died when I was young and, and, um, and it was, I went to this tiny little school and it was pretty difficult because it just didn't fit in. It was all families. And so I grew up with a big chip on my shoulder. And um, so when the punk scene exploded into the world, I was uh, I was ready for it because I had, you know, all this incredible pain. So I charged into that. I was a musician, so I was a punk rock drummer and blah, 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 and started gobbling down drugs and, and then everything just unraveled. But I had a praying grandmother, and so it wasn't too long before God started to speak to me, and I realized that, oh, okay, maybe I should think about becoming a Christian one day, but I thought, oh, well, a bit boring. It's for old people anyway, so <laughs> I'll do it when I'm 40. But anyway, <laughs> he fast-tracked the plan, and um, before I knew it, um, I'd surrendered my life fully to Christ mm-hmm. at the age of 22. Mm-hmm. And about six months later, I met Shirley. Now, I was still a pretty broken person, was working through a lot of stuff, and as you've probably deduced during this interview, Shirley has incredible empathy. Mm. And so it was. And so she kind of took me under her wing and helped disciple me. And mm. the cool thing was she'd been to Bible college and I didn't know anything about the Bible. So she was mm. able to explain lots of riddles. Mm. Okay. But let, let, let's just get to my favorite part of your story because I've heard it a few times. You were kind of hanging out with her and you liked her. Yes. But she... Surely you didn't want to be in no, a relationship. that's right. I thought, oh, no, this kid's got a crush on me. I thought, what am I going to do? Uh, how, do how do I let him down easily? Uh, Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. So in order to let him down easily, you decided to ignore him. Yeah, well, I'd do things like, I mean, he was the only friend I had at the time too, so that made it a bit awkward because oh, yeah, that could be difficult. there weren't yeah. really any other younger ones in, the, in this group who were single. Yeah. But I'd start saying things to him like, you know, look, I've got all these grey hairs, which I did have even then. I think I'd earned them even then. <laughs> and uh, and try and put him off. But that seemed to actually just make him even more interested, which was kind of annoying. <laughs> you know, and then he'd say things to me like, 
Oh, well, tonight I'm thinking I'll, because we used to meet after work sometimes and mm. get the bus home. And for about three weeks, I even worked with him in a little factory, and, and we won't go into that in too much detail. But we were getting to know each other as friends. And so one night he said, oh, look, you know, one night I like going down to the beach around where we live, and there's some little bays around there. And do you know the one with the wharf? He said, I think um, I'm going down there tonight. And I thought, well, I know where I'm going to avoid then. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't want to encourage you, do I? <laughs> but I didn't realise that he had God on his side too. And I was trying started... to be subtle, you know. In the <laughs> punk scene, you do. You, it was never about being subtle. It was boy sees girl, boy gets girl. But I was trying to do everything on the on the back burner. You know, as a Christian now, it's on yes, my best behaviour. Yes. And I thought, oh, you know, how would I even begin to explain to him? I'm really not interested in in men, and I just want to go on in my faith and. But on the other hand, he started growing on me, and I thought, oh, darn, you know, well, he's not pushing himself on me, and he's, you know, really quite a nice person, although I really don't want another hour's kind of talk about drum techniques. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but on the, the other hand, he, he likes yeah. nice coffee. and. <laughs> well, we discovered as time wore on that we actually were incredibly compatible. Mm. Yeah, and there was no right. denying this fact. Yeah. Which was a bit of a shock to me, you know, because I'm thinking to myself, but Lord, you know, this is not what I'm looking for. I was kind of looking for a millionaire who was well set up. And if I, did, <laughs> if I had to marry by obedience, couldn't you make it sort of not a somebody millionaire. who's just sort of like. Okay. Let, let me just get a, right to my the favorite part I have of your story. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a get together with the small group or some type of social gathering. And you said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ignore Pete. And so the whole evening, you were ignoring him. Oh, that's right. Okay, now but I know he, where you're coming from. But he wasn't around and he you was were getting annoyed. Me. Yes. Well, because <laughs> what had happened was, I mean, one Saturday night we were going to go to the church youth group that both of us felt like we really didn't fit into. And so and something happened and we couldn't get to it. It was out of town or something or other. And so we just hung out and he was taking his his uh, flatmate's dogs for a walk and things like that. And we were just being crazy. And we had one of the other young girls from the from the house group we were in who kind of had disabilities. And so it was like we were being chaperoned anyway. But we were being silly and we ended up in this kind of um, a play fight. And I thought afterwards, oh, that was not good. That was really terrible. We should not have done that. That was, I'm going to avoid him. What on earth is he thinking? And uh, so I thought, right, that's it. And... And usually during the week we used to go to a meeting on a Tuesday night, a Bible study of some sort, wasn't it? And, and it was in the town hall in Auckland. It was a large church. And so we would usually go there and then we would walk home together because we lived pretty close to the city. Or, you know, somehow we'd go home together anyway and he would come and see me to my door and then he'd go to where he was living quite close by. So I thought, okay. I'm not going to go and sit where we normally sit. I'll go and sit with one of the old ladies from our group. And, and I saw him, him come in and he was sitting up in the balcony and I kind of gave him a nod and and he looked down and gave me a nod and I thought, hmm, I'm not going to come and sit with you and you can't think that I'm going to be hanging out. But after the meeting, he vanished and I thought, hang on, what are you expecting me to do? Go home on my own? I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> and and so I went, I even got a taxi, which was amazing, and cried in the taxi and thought, 
I'm crying over Peter Basket, this kid. What is wrong with me? Okay, I'm trying to ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> and so the next day I was all upset and, and I don't know whether he rang me or I rang him, but anyway, at work. And I said to him, I'm avoiding you. He said, yes, that's right. I'm avoiding you too. So, something like that, wasn't it? What was it? Yeah, that's it. I mean, and I thought, oh, that's not good enough. I don't want you to avoid me. <laughs> so anyway. then Pete said, all right, then shall we have coffee after work? I thought, oh, darn, he's got the upper hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, so, and then we carried on. And the I rest should is have realised then and that the he would be history. able to then... run rings about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't quite as ill-prepared as you thought. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. love that, how you're getting so annoyed at him. You're trying to ignore him, but he's not coming around so you could ignore him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He was ignoring me. Was... <laughs> How dare he, he ignore me when I'm trying to ignore him. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Peter and Shirley Basket, who today are focusing on the unique circumstances in which their relationship began. They've now been married over 40 years. We'll hear more of Peter and Shirley reflecting on their lives together when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, once again, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Peter and Shirley Basket, who are reflecting on their lives together after 40 years of marriage. Sadly, Shirley has been diagnosed with leukaemia and told she only has months to live. She's the author of the book Living on the Edge of Eternity. Now, here's more of Shirley looking back at the beginning of her relationship with Peter. God had to deal with an awful lot of pride in me, a lot of mm. sort of... I remember one night going home on the bus and... And he went back to his place, and for some reason I went on on the bus on my own. But we'd been having a bit of an argument before it, and I thought, well, how dare he say this or do that or whatever else? And I remember sitting there grumpily in my mind saying, I have my dignity. And then I felt God said to me, you don't even know what dignity is, mm. do you? Now mm. go home, ring Pete and apologize to him for your bad attitude. Mm. Oh, Ouch. <laughs> I mean, to say through this relationship, the relationship with his mother, who was just the most wonderful lady, it was almost like um, Naomi and Ruth, mm. the experience oh, okay. I had with his mum. Yeah. And I just loved her and mm. her grace mm. and her the way that she dealt with me. I didn't know mothers could be like mm. that. And so through these things, it changed me a lot as mm. I went along the way because I did ask God and gave him permission to go in there and – and tweak the things that I had really bad attitude on, mm. and, and he did. Mm. If you ask God things like that, you shouldn't really pray things like that without expecting mm. him to do it, mm. because he will, but it's mm. the best thing for mm. you. His surgery can be painful at times mm. and really good, but I needed it because we mm. had to go into marriage with two rather dysfunctional backgrounds. Mm. You know, so. so God got a hold of your heart, changed your heart? We had the attitudes about love. I think both of us did that you get from movies and everything mm. else and you know if that's all you really know about love 
And let's face it, many of us come from backgrounds where love wasn't really mm. provided or shown in a way that mm. could be healthy mm. or it just was non-existent. Mm. And so what did we know about love? Mm. What did a punk know about love? What did this woman who lived with men and well, didn't live with men, but I'd lived with women, what mm. did we know mm. about what really love was really about? So God had to teach mm. both of us mm. what love really was and that we learned that love is a choice. Mm. When we did get together and we did actually marry, I married out of what I felt was obedience to God. But I did also, by that stage, love Peter as my best friend. Mm. And so I asked God, what am I supposed to do as a wife? What is, what, what is the key thing you want me to really stand on through this? And I got that scripture that says, see to it that you respect your husband. Mm. And he was, like, as I say, quite a lot younger than me, and I'd been quite used to being able to trample on males in particular in the past, and uh, not necessarily meaning to, but uh, it would just sometimes happen. Mm. And I thought, I don't want to be married to a man that I can trample. Little did I know that I probably could never have done that with Pete anyway, because mm. one of the staunchest people I know, <laughs> and in a good, good way. Mm. But I thought, I have to choose to love Pete, but I also mostly have to choose to respect him mm. and to try and build him to be the husband mm. that I'm hoping he will be and by encouraging him. And and uh, there's a little story off that, and that is that I really hadn't been very domestic and so my cooking was pretty average to burnt beans. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and so we would take turns at cooking and, and that sort of thing. And so I would say to Pete, you know what, when you cooked tonight, those potatoes were almost perfect, you know, if you put a bit of salt in, they could be amazing. He'd go, really, really? I thought, ooh, I'm onto something here. And so, you know, I encouraged him, but what I didn't know was that he had a latent gift of being an amazing cook. And so, you know, I certainly so learned something out. there. And, uh, but I thought, you know, see to it that you respect your husband. I respect your potatoes too. And, <laughs> and 40 but, years um, later. <laughs> 40 years later. Yeah. But his scripture that he got is that, you know, I had to love Shirley as Christ loved the church mm -hmm. and that I had to lay down my life for her. Mm -hmm. And I kind of did that in a sense that he called me to be number two in terms of ministry. And so it was never about me. It was about what he'd called her to do. And so mm -hmm. I spent a lot of my life pushing her forward mm -hmm. and being supportive and being supportive. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Which and seems like a very that, weird you know, thing. You know, it seems like a really rather weird thing. And even when I became a pastor in the denomination I was in in New Zealand and then later here, people would say to me, oh, but how can you answer that you're being a, a speaker or you're being a ministry as a woman? Mm. I'd say, well, you need to talk to my husband because he's insistent. Mm. And so I need to obey him. Which one do you want me to go with, you mm. know? So, mm. yeah. um and he's been an amazing ministry partner. We didn't have children, mm. sadly. That was the greatest probably sorrow of my life. Mm. But it meant that you can either go into that and spiral into bitterness and mm. hug yourself for the rest of your life, or you can say, I'm available. Mm. And so, as Pete said earlier, a lot of people look at me as kind of a mother of millions, if you like. Mm. I wouldn't no, millions, sounds, but yes. you know, yeah, a many. mother of many. Yeah. And uh, even a couple of days ago, I got an email from a young lady who had come here as a student from an Asian country mm. and then married and, and uh, went to Canada and was pastoring with her husband there. 
and uh, she sent me an email and said, Mama Shirls, and I nearly cried because I thought mm. I never asked people to do that. Mm. I was often nicknamed Marby mm. for, you know, and so I thought I want to love people. I'm not going to smother you, but I want to give you the love that might have been a deficit in your life because mm. I had a mother deficit mm. in yeah. love. yeah. And uh, not that she meant to, it wasn't her fault. But, you know, I wanted to be able to give love like that. And mm. and so for some people, apparently, it seems I have. Mm. And that's a legacy. Yeah, mm. I, th- I yeah. hope mm. so. I think it's it's not the things you've achieved. Mm. It's not the pieces of paper you have on your wall or the, mm. yeah. the uh, certificates and degrees and whatever else that you've accomplished it's maybe who you spoke to along mm. the way while you were doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. it's the way that you loved. And so I think love is what we did learn was that love is a choice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Pete? Um, Just reflecting back. Well, I think, you know, it's kind of funny. We couldn't have children and people say, oh, you'll have lots of spiritual children, mm. blah, blah, blah. And it sound, it's a bit of a trite thing to say, to mm-hmm. be honest, to someone who doesn't have children. But in truth, that is exactly what's happened. Mm. To, yeah. a, to an extent that I probably didn't think could possibly happen. Mm. Yeah. And so, um, so Shirley does have a legacy yeah. of loving people. It, it's at that deep level of mm. where people are being vulnerable to her. Mm. It's not yeah. just a supervisual, nice kind mm. of, mm. Oh, she's a nice person. It's the people who, they trust her enough to open up with their mm. problems. Mm. And then they get met with grace. Mm. And it's that kind of level of relationship that's happened. It sounds like uh, you're her biggest supporter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm the big fan. <laughs> Ab- yeah. No, I am. That's yeah. true. That is yeah. absolutely true. <laughs> I can no, identify that with that. That is 100% true. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a number one fan. Well, my wife, <laughs> you met my wife this morning. She's yes. very gregarious. Yeah. And a lot of times I'm put in the background and I'm... <laughs> very happy with it because she's awesome and i think she has a similar influence on people like you do mm. where yeah. people just open up and share their problems with her yeah yeah and i'm and like that's a gift yeah awesome. and that's a gift yeah. and i'm like however i can support you in that yeah. because yeah. i just get to kind of sit back and watch you yeah. just be this amazing person that you are yeah i was so delighted to meet her it's funny you meet a lot of people on facebook just mm. by photographs so lovely to meet her Mm. Yeah. Well, she's amazing, and mm. glad that she got to meet you as well. Yeah, we got to have a, a nice meal together before we came here to the studio. Any final comments before we wrap it up? I think we probably covered pretty much everything, unless mm. something else has um, come to the mind. One thing for you. I had been thinking of was the 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 verse or the chapter that God spoke to Shirley when she was first diagnosed the, about the journey of the shepherd, and mm. I thought that was pretty profound from Psalm twenty three. Yeah, that's right. And it's really been the whole journey that we're going on now, both of us. Mm. And uh, just reading through the scriptures on Psalm 23, and one of the the misthoughts that I'd had, uh, the the bad perceptions that I'd Mm. had, when you read through the Bible sometimes, you read through those filters. Mm. And I'd always read, his rod and his staff comfort me. And I've thought, that's correct. He's had to change so much in me. Many stripes from the rod are on the back of a fool, it says Mm. in Proverbs. And I thought, yes, that's true. He's had to comfort me by correcting me with Mm. this rod and stuff. And then I felt like God said to me, you've really not understood this. I don't use my rod and stuff to beat my sheep. Mm -hmm. I use them to 
to go and beat the enemies that come toward the sheep, the mm. wolves and the lions, and mm. and and I'm here for you to keep back those things that mm. could hurt you. And I look back over the ministry years that I had, and there are many times that I see that his rod and staff were there to protect me in mm. times that was sometimes pretty challenging mm. yeah. because God used my story to go out and try and help many other people who wanted that kind of help, mm. to have that kind of transformation in Christ. Mm. And that was sometimes a scary thing. Mm. And even the places that I spoke in, sometimes there was some fairly scary experiences mm. there. A lot of opposition. But yeah, yes. a lot of opposition, a lot of threats, mm. and sometimes lies. It was lies that came out mm. that were sometimes the most hurtful. Mm. But his rod and his staff are there to comfort you because he mm. will keep you from from the real pain and uh, and he will protect mm -hmm. as long as you stay within his flock mm. or later on Jesus said stay in the vine. Mm. And sometimes that's the last thing you want to do, you know, because mm. there's wind whipping through the vine and there's thunder and lightning coming down. You just want to drop off and, mm. you know, you, you want to get away from this Life that is a narrow road mm. if you're following Christ. Mm -hmm. But if you hang in there, stay within the flock, close in as you can. Mm -hmm. Keep in fellowship with other believers so they encourage you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, or, you know, stay on that vine or stay within mm -hmm. the flock, however you want to look at that. Mm -hmm. And and then you will find that God's been looking out for you all along and you see it in hindsight often, mm -hmm. not usually mm -hmm. at the time when mm -hmm. you're going through those things. But in hindsight for my whole life, I now see it. Mm -hmm. Here is my shepherd with his rod and his staff, and mm -hmm. it's not there to beat me. Mm -hmm. It's there to protect mm -hmm. me. And also to, to lead and guide you. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to lead and guide, that's mm -hmm. so true. Mm -hmm. And he's with you through that valley mm -hmm. of the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. I'm living in the shadow of death. But Literally. You know, I have yes. no yes. doubt that mm -hmm. he's taking me through to mm -hmm. a better pasture. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of slightly exciting in a way. Occasionally I have had glimpses of heaven that have encouraged me, just as Pete says, like in a picture form. Mm -hmm. And I'll be really looking forward to seeing that mm -hmm. reality. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily how I go out, um, <laughs> you know, but I don't have to think about that. Mm -hmm. I just need to trust God through it all. Amen. Shirley, Peter Basket. Thank you so much for sharing your life stories and everything you've been going through. Thank you so much for sharing today. Thanks for giving us that opportunity. Yeah. Well, that was the conclusion of our three-part series with Peter and Shirley Basket, reflecting on their lives together after 40 years of marriage. Sadly, Shirley was diagnosed with leukemia and told she only has months to live. She's written about her experiences in the book Living on the Edge of Eternity. Shirley has also written a book about her life called The Woman Who Outran the Devil. Both of her books are available online. In addition to being a pastor for several years with Peter's support, Shirley also led a ministry for people struggling with their sexual identity. This took them on several international trips where she spoke at conferences and touched many people's lives with her story. It's only in heaven that she'll find out the full extent of her impact on others. As we heard, several people have already begun sharing with her about her impact on them. Also, it was great to hear Peter and Shirley's story as a couple and how they were guided by these verses from the book of Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And wives, respect your husband. 
Well, thanks so much for joining us for this three-part series with Shirley and Peter Basket. We pray for Shirley and her treatments, and also for Peter during the difficult days ahead, that our Lord will strengthen them and give them peace in the valley of the shadow of death. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.